I come from a family of spiritual wanderers. I've enjoyed a lot in this book hearing Michael Curry's different interactions and different engagements with the different expressions of Christianity and other faith practices uh, because it resonates with my own life a little bit. Um, I was taken on what I like to call a ecumenical roadshow. My great-grandmother was Seventh-day Adventist. My grandmother, while being baptized Roman Catholic, grew up Presbyterian, and then eventually in the 70s converted to the Baha'i faith. My great other great-aunt uh, was Methodist at one point and then joined my grandmother uh, in becoming Baha'i. My other great aunt, their other sister who was younger, um, grew up Roman Catholic and at one point went to St. Patrick's Episcopal Church um, and then uh, started following her husband in the reading of the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and Self-Realization Fellowship. Uh, uh, my mom was a baptized Roman Catholic um, and was on a permanent kind of wandering throughout her life that took her to different faith traditions through Self-Realization Fellowship. Um, she had also one time taught, uh, attended and taught uh, Sunday school at uh, All Saints Beverly Hills with Mary Wicks, as she likes to say. Suffice it to say, I didn't grow up in one particular tradition. I was exposed to every tradition, which gave me an odd lens when I was trying to participate in church events. I remember a time when my mom was exploring with some friends a large congregational church. So, of course, being the 12-year-old that I was, I joined the junior high youth group and attended one of their retreats. Everything about this retreat was standard mid to late 90s youth group fair. There was pizza, there was games, there was some prayer, then there was more pizza, there was more games, and then we went to bed after a long, long talk about Jesus and what did Jesus wanted for this world. In the morning, things got weird. We were taken around Pasadena in a van, and we were to surround the city with prayer. At each stop, we were asked to get out and kneel, and then our leaders guided us in the prayers that they had written. The first couple stops were well-intentioned enough. We went to the east side of Pasadena, in which we prayed for people experiencing homelessness, we prayed for people experiencing hunger. We went to a fancy hotel nearby and we prayed for the people that might have too much and might not give enough. The last stop we made was kind of the most hurtful. We went to a synagogue and we prayed for the souls of the people inside that did not believe in the way that Christians believed, that did not acknowledge the truth of Jesus. I was an awkward 12-year-old, but even in that awkwardness and uncomfortableness, I knew viscerally that there was something wrong. I didn't know, and I had never known, a God that had excluded people in all of the traditions and all of the encounters I had had. God did not exclude people. Fast forward 11 years, and I am a young youth director in the Monterey Bay. I work in a number of different Catholic churches because at this point I had been going to Catholic boys high school, I'd attended a Catholic church, and I dove into the readings and to the, the, the teachings and the mystics and, and all of the things that come with a Roman Catholic 
education. Um, I had encountered the Salesian Order in high school, and I had fell in love with the work they do with youth, and I had found my passion for youth ministry. In the Monterey Bay, I was the youth director for two small little churches uh, in and around there, and I loved, loved, loved the work that I did. But this was 2007 to 2008, and things were happening in the Catholic Church that I could no longer quantify. I could no longer accept. I could no longer ignore. It started one Sunday after youth group with a student coming up to me, we'll call them E, uh, along with uh, a friend of theirs. We, every year, planned a trip to go down, uh, down to Los Angeles to a Catholic Youth Day, which was a lovely event, but most of the time my students just wanted to go because they wanted to go to Disneyland on Friday, which was fine. But still, it was, a, it, was a, it was a lovely expression of youth getting together every single year to, to experience Mass uh, and experience Eucharist together, which was beautiful. E had come to me because they were worried about the rooming situation at this trip. Now, normally, I, as most youth directors do, we like to put students together with other people that they might not know. Um, part of the experience is learning to encounter somebody new, encounter somebody different, and learn uh, about them and, and, and possibly gain some new friendship. In that moment, E approached me with their other friend and wanted to tell me that they were gay. And they didn't want another person to feel uncomfortable rooming with them. This was an easy enough request that I absolutely said, Sure, you can absolutely room with your friend over here. That was perfectly fine. I didn't think too much about it, and that's part of my fault in this particular instance. A moment after E had come out to me, he said, you're not mad? There's this look of surprise on his face that I still see to this day. I simply looked at him and said, of course I'm not mad. God loves you, and God cares about your heart. And that was the end of it, at least so I thought. The situation was far more complicated than I, even to this day, really know. E later that year revealed to me that they were actually transgendered and that this had caused an enormous amount of tension in E's staunch Catholic and Navy family to the point at which E's parents had been holding him back from taking communion. How was I going to teach these students that God loved them and that they were perfectly made when one of my students was actively being told that they were not and that they were flawed? E stopped coming to youth group and their parents ended up moving away, as military families do. But the end of that is I left the Roman Catholic Church because I could not quantify still a God that excludes people. Looking back, my problem was that the churches I worked at, the bishop and the staff in this rather small diocese in Monterey did not invite discourse, and didn't empower us to disagree and disagree together. Looking to my pastor at the church was not very helpful. He was an Irish former headmaster of a boys' boarding school and very new to California. His stance with E's parents were doing the best for E 
and the bishops were very clear in the matter of homosexuality. There was no discussion, no discourse, no recourse. Bishop Michael Curry references his story and his engagement with the ordination of Bishop Gene Robinson, the aftermath, the anxiety that drove churches and peoples to want to leave. He talks about the trip to Lambeth where Tech was restricted from participating fully in the communion. And through all that, he keeps saying in some form or another, we are better when we work together. See, there is love in discourse of disagreeing but staying together. I see love when people are trying to tackle the uncomfortable, the difficult, and the strangeness and acknowledge that we all rely on each other and on God. Love is knowing that we have not figured it out yet, but that we can figure it out together. I have discovered that my spiritual journey has been defined by seeking out that place where not only I belong, but everyone else is welcome. And that place takes an extraordinary amount of love to make sure that all voices are not just heard, but are valued. For me, that's the Episcopal Church. Now, by no means am I saying that we are perfect. In fact, we are far from it. But there is a love around us that empowers us to live into a better tomorrow and truly discern God's call for the world. Thank you.